For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Badger Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins, joined as always by Badger legend, the Hebrew Hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. Bernie, how are we doing today? Matt, every day is a holiday on the podcast. Yes, it's it good is. to be back. It's been a while. I feel like I would have been hammered by this guy we're having on, um, just like number eighteen used to do to me back in the day. You know you have Jimmy Leonard's number. Yep, yep, yeah. I, and I didn't ask for it. It was it was given to me by EQ or given it, given to me by the coaching staff. And uh, my first day, you know, in the locker room, when I saw that, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, I better I better lock in and, and perform at a high level. And you know, it's very tough to uh, to match the level of play that uh, that Jimmy Leonard played at um, at Wisconsin. So, I you know. The comparisons, I really don't like them because I think it's blasphemy to Coach Leonard. To be honest, I don't think, I don't think we're we're on the same level by any means. But um, but yeah, it was an honor to have the same number. It wasn't Hunter? I would say, so, oh, I would say that he would be extremely proud of the way you played, just like every Badger that watched you know last season and and the and the seasons leading up to it. Dude's excited. Like I tell Matt Perkins all the time, I played offense. So I don't really care about the defense. Like, you know, you know, it's like completely different, you know, area of the game. And right. this year alone, I was like, man, I'm thrilled. Like to watch you guys crush teams was exciting. We need to formally <laughs> introduce our guests. We're just getting right into it. We have to formally introduce our guests. Uh, 2021. Uh, Wisconsin starting safety, the head man in the grit factory, Colin Wilder, safety for the Wisconsin Badgers. Colin, it is so freaking awesome to have you. We've been talking before the show. We've been trying to organize this for a while. We're both huge fans of yours. We really appreciate you being here. So we appreciate you taking the time to, you know, to hang out with us. Yeah, of course. I appreciate y'all having me on. You know, I was, I was, I, always love talking football, let alone Wisconsin football. So, so before we, before we hop into anything quick, uh, quick message from our sponsors, our partners over at betonline.ag, they continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find out all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including NBA summer league, major league baseball, the latest fighting news, and even early futures on next season's NFL and college football 
head on over to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code believe that's B L E A V to get the bonus and get into the action bet online where the game starts. The game started for you, Colin, I believe back down in the state of Texas where football is bigger than everything. So let's go back to the beginning how how did little Colin get into playing football? I'm stealing Bernie's question. Uh, th- this is what he usually asks. How did little Colin get into football? How old were you? And what was that like for you? Well, I, I always loved football growing up. Um, it was between really that, basketball and baseball as a kid. But um, football, though, in, in Texas, I, I started playing tackle football in third grade, which I think like you're eight years old eight years old then. So we're, we were getting fitted for pads and helmets and all that. And, you know, when we were eight, or when we were eight years old. So, um, that's kind of when I got introduced to football. My dad was our youth, uh, our youth head coach. And, uh, he, he, uh, he coached us up the right way. He, he coached us hard. <laughs> we, uh, the, the fun thing is like, we had like wristbands, we had plays, but like we would make adjustments. We would make audibles. Like, um, you know, our, our, our coaching staff, when we were, you know, youth, when we were uh, playing youth ball, I mean, it was second to none just, and we took it, everybody took it so serious. And, uh, I think probably the coolest part is, as uh, after we would play, if we had like our opponent playing after us, our, our next week's opponent, our whole staff and like our, uh, like the sons of the staff would sit there and, and record the, uh, the other team for the next week so we could break down the film and all that. So. I knew about game preparation and, uh, you know, breaking town film all before I even like got to high school. So, um, but that's, you know, that's Texas football for you. I mean, it's just a culture there in that state and everybody takes pride in, in, in their teams and, and in their organizations. But what position did you start as? Uh, so we ran, we ran a, a three, four defense. So I was like an outside linebacker and, uh, and then I played, we, we, we ran like the wishbone. So I played like the fullback in the wishbone. I was, I, I grew faster than most kids. So I was bigger than most kids at that time. Just kind of just ran around and hit people at that time. Cause I, you know, you don't lift weights or anything. It's usually more just about how big you are when you're a kid and see, to see how, how much you could, you know, how hard you could hit at the time. So thankfully, like I was bigger than, than other kids because I would just throw my body in there and, you know, if I was a little kid, I would have probably gotten folded in half most, most of the time with the way I played. So it just ended up working out that I was a little bit bigger. But I thought I was going to be around 6'3", you know, as I was growing. I thought I was going to be about 6'3", 230-pound unit. And uh, I stopped growing in eighth grade, and I stayed at 5'10". So, you know, you kind of you have the pros and cons to growing fast. That's what we call Bernie size. Uh, 6'3", 240 is, I think, what you came in as a freshman, Bern. I was six one, probably like two fifty, and talk about never growing. I never grew at the. I, I got, I gained a lot more weight, but I never. Uh, but you know, you're you're working out so hard all the time, and it just kind of builds and builds, and then yeah. you get, and then you never step on the scale because you're going to get yelled at. Believe me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> wait. Could, were there weight restrictions in the elementary school when you were playing? No, not back then. And I, I've heard, like, if you're going to carry the ball, you have to weigh a certain amount in other leagues. And we didn't have that. So it's Texas. You guys are wild in Texas. Yeah, in New York, I, where Byrne and I were young children, 
uh, I was always like, if I wanted to play in, I think it was in second grade, I would have had to play with the fifth graders because I was a very, because by weight. So it was either, it was like age slash weight. So if you were younger and you were over a certain weight, you had to play with the older kids. And like, I'd never played football. I was going to have to play with kids like three years older than me. That was going to be like, nope. Oh that's gosh. what's good about high school football is because yes. once you get there, there's no restrictions. There's no, lo- it's, you can be 500 pounds and run the football. Well, let's talk about uh, high school football, te- especially in yeah. Katy, Texas, like, which is like the, which is like the, the freaking like ancestral home of like high school football in this country. Dude, you played at like one of the most legendary high schools in Texas. Like walk, uh, you know, as, you know, we're guys from the Northeast. We like high school football does not have the same effect. Even if Bernie was a legend in the state of New York, which he still is, but like walk us through just like, even as a freshman, like going into that, what is that experience? Like, you know, playing high school football in Katy, Texas. Yeah. I mean, it was an unreal experience, especially now that I'm aware of like, it's not like that everywhere. Um, I mean, Katy football, it, it, I would compare it 100% to like a Friday night lights type of environment. Um, especially back then, Katie was a little bit smaller than what it is now when I was playing. And um, it was literally like a, a small town feel that shut everything down on Friday nights and everybody's at the game. And growing up um, as a kid, you dream to have like that, that tiger, that tiger logo on the side of your helmet. You dream to be out there Um on those, you know, on that varsity team and especially with like the kids you grew up with. So, I mean, it, so by the time you got to, you know, playing on varsity and playing in those, in those, uh, you know, in that stadium on Friday nights, I mean, it's, it's everything that you dreamed of. I mean, everybody, everybody always looks forward to those moments and, um, you know, you have a full, you know, full crowd. I mean, the, the coolest part is you run out to you, when you run out onto the stadium, you look up in the stands, I mean, and there is no seat um empty i mean it's just full of red and because you know our our our, uh high school is red and white so it was just full full of just we we call it the sea of red and uh i mean we 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 travel really well i mean we would play at the houston saying we play at cowboys we played san antonio often like it would be the same type of crowd and just full of red and uh you know that was kind of what what uh katie football is known for and yeah, it was fun. I mean, we went to four state championships. We only won two, but um, I mean, going to going to Cowboy Stadium, we went. We played in uh, Cowboy Stadium three years, and then one year we played at Texas at the Texas Stadium. But um, I mean, those memories with with like the guys you grew up with. Cause you know how high school football is like. It's it's all about the guys that you just grew up with and, and your best friends. You know who lived in your neighborhood and you played like backyard football with. I mean, making those memories, those type of just awesome memories with those guys i mean it's something that like you know you'll always carry with you it's it's, it's so cool and, and so cool. you were teammates with a fellow big 10 player in patty fisher right yes he, yeah he's 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 one of, my, one of my best friends i mean i still i still see him every time i go home dude so now you know that no football is special like texas football does that it, it, you get it now <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i i understand and i mean thankfully like i didn't take it for granted like i i, I truly realized like how special katie was and how special like the opportunity to play for state championships year after year like how you know rare that was um but yeah i mean it it's it's just it just so many good 
memories from that, um, you know, as, as things I'll never forget. So I'm excited when I go back to Texas, um, this fall, I'm going to, I'm going to go back into, um, Katie high school and just say what's up to the coaches. And I'm going to, uh, you know, just see if they need any help this fall and I'll, I'll offer some help. And maybe they say no, maybe they say yes, but, um, I, I think, I think it'll be a blast to kind of have an opportunity to just watch Katie football again while I can. Listen, what my high school is like almost non-competitive anymore, which is so sad for me. But yeah, you know, football's got a bad rap. You know, it it does, and it doesn't make sense because soccer's more concussions in soccer than in in any. That's my one plug. Play football. Everyone always asks me, Tom, yeah. I don't, I I don't. You know, everyone always asks me, like, would you let my daughter play fo- football? I'm like, yeah, if she wants to. Like, I'm not worried. Yeah. Like, now, I think I have some some issues from playing football, but I think you have issues playing any sport, like your knees, people's knees, shoulders, the whole nine. But football is the right. best sport in the world. I don't care what anyone says. It is the best. The brotherhood or just the, the camaraderie you build is so special. Exactly. Like, what you're saying about high school, I still talk to all my high school friends were in my wedding. Like, I actually had yeah. one kid who played soccer. He's the only one. I only had one kid out of 11 people. Two. One was a girl, so she didn't play football. But nine people were football players. It's nuts. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the greatest team sport in the world. And like you said, no matter what sport you play, the longer you play, your body's going to gonna have issues. It's just, just a matter of which kind of pick your poison, which – which part of your body do you want to have issues with? And, you know, football, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a violent sport. So you, you, you know, you get what you sign up for, but um, yeah, it's the greatest sport in the world. The things that, you know, we've learned from playing the game. I mean, it's things that we'll always be able to take with us through life. And, um, you know, especially now being, being done with football, um, you know, being able to reflect. I mean, I, I, I think about, I think more about the times with the guys in the locker room, the times with the guys, you know, in between plays more than the plays on the field. And I think that's the beauty of football is um, just the, the ability to create relationships and create a brotherhood like that. Like you said, exactly like you said. So Colin, walk me back though. You, so you put, you won, you played in four state championships. It was unbelievably amazing. You won two. When did colleges start knocking on the door and how did like Wisconsin fare into this? Cause I love hearing how people from Texas, when it's warm and it's nice, go to Wisconsin and it's not always warm and nice there. Well, you got to go to Houston (laughs) first. You got to get to Houston first. Yeah. So, um, so in high school, my recruiting process started right after my freshman year. Um, I played varsity as a, as a, as a, uh, as a freshman. And, um, you know, it's not like I had like a crazy good season. I was still learning. I was still developing as a football player. It was my first year playing safety. Um, I wouldn't say I was like a great player then. I really wasn't. Um, but we played a team in the state semifinals and the head coach ended up becoming the next year ended up becoming the head coach. That we played, he became the running backs coach at Texas tech. And I believe from, from what he told me, he just saw potential in me from when I, when I played his team the year before. And he was this, he was telling Cliff Kingsbury at the time who was at Texas tech, like, Hey, we got to, you got to jump on this kid early because schools are going to be knocking on his door soon. And at that time, I think schools believed that I was going to be growing. Like I was, I wasn't just going to stay at my height, which I ended up staying at my height, but I think teams were counting on me being a lot bigger than what I was. Um, so he told Cliff, 
you know, we, we got to jump on this kid early. So I got offered um, by Texas Tech, like right after my freshman year, um, freshman season. And so at that point, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, I didn't know what to do with myself. I got my first scholarship offer. I'm like 14 years old. I have no idea like how this even works. And I had to like triple check that I got actually offered a scholarship. And um, I'm thinking at that point, like, oh my gosh, every school is going to call me. Every like I'm going to be like a crazy high fruit, all this stuff. Um, I just assumed that that was going to happen. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't hear from schools again until after my going into my junior year. No, after my junior year, I didn't hear, I didn't hear from any schools. So, so going into my sophomore year, um, my, my high school head coach told me like, this might be the best offer you get because you're not growing. Um, you know, I think teams are, are going to slowly like realize that you're not going to be as big as like they expected. So Texas tech might be your best offer. So I would take it while you can. So I, I went ahead and committed to Texas tech my sophomore year going into my junior year, I, I believe, um, in high school. And, uh, you know, I was happy with it. Like I was just grateful for an opportunity to play at the next level and to play, you know, play power five football. And, um, then Cliff, uh, ended up cleaning house on the defensive side and getting a new defensive staff at Texas tech and Texas tech just stopped talking to me. They just, I, I ended up probably not what they wanted at safety. They probably wanted like a different type of player, different like physically. And, um, I guess I didn't, I didn't match their system. So as that was going on though, I ended up getting an offer from Duke and then I got another offer from, I don't even remember. I think it might've been Northwestern. And, um, at that point it was okay for me to decommit and like it, it, it was more of a mutual thing, um, just with the new coaching staff at Texas tech. But then my recruiting process started to pick up and I started to get, I got an offer from Wisconsin and I got an offer from, you know, whoever, but, um, by then I'm like, okay, great. I have options. I have options to choose from. And, uh, and it, it ended up coming down to Northwestern, Wisconsin and Houston. And, we talked about Patty Fisher already. Um, Travis Willock, he played safety at Northwestern for a couple of years. And so those two guys are like my best friends who I played high school ball with. And we all had the same offers from everywhere or from, from, or from, you know, the, the offers that we had, they were all the same for us. So I didn't know for me, like I wanted to go, I want all three of us to go to the same school. I thought that would be sick. Like have, have all three of us still playing, still doing, you know, what we do in high school. And, uh, so I remember sitting them down or not while we won before that we go to, we go to visit Wisconsin, all three of us. And it was my favorite visit. I loved Wisconsin. Um, but then after the visit, I got a phone call from one of the coaches saying, Hey, we're going to only take one safety. And that shied me away because at the time I thought all three of us were trying to go to the same school. So that kind of that kind of made my decision to go to Wisconsin a little rocky. Um, so, but then we ended up not even going to the same schools. Basically, long story short, um, those guys choose Northwestern. And I ended up choosing Houston. Um, Tom Herman was a great recruiter at Houston, um, and uh, you know we ended up having a top twenty-five recruiting class um, at the University of Houston, which is unheard of for a non-power five school. Did you so, come in with um, Ed Oliver? I came in with Ed Oliver, um, Derek King, who was the quarterback yep. of Miami the last couple of years. Um, Mark, Marquez Stevenson. I don't know if y'all know him, but he, he, he plays yeah, for the played, Bills. Uh, 
I'm a massive Bills fan, so I have Ed Oliver and oh, Marcos Stevenson. Yeah, uh, the Bills up. Okay. You get okay. I'm a Sorry. huge yeah. Bills fan. So yes, oh, well, I'm we, very familiar we, with all of your former teammates. Well, we got another y'all. Y'all got another guy, um, Keith Corbin from mm-hmm. uh, Jackson State. He was in my class. He was my roommate um, in Houston. He's he's a he's a dang good player too. Um, so I mean, we had we were loaded with time at Houston. We really were, and um, you know we uh, you know that we all kind of ended up going our separate rate our separate ways once uh, Tom Herman left after our freshman year. And I mean, we beat Oklahoma to start the season that year uh, at Houston. My freshman year, um, we you know back in you know Baker Mayfield. Um, all those guys, it was, I mean, loaded with talent. You know, we ended up blowing them out the first game, first game of the season. Um, and then we ended up getting up to like top five in the country at that point. And uh, we ended up losing to like Navy and SMU teams that like we should not have lost to. And, you know, not, if you lose the non-power five, you're not, you, you, you lose one or two games, you're not ranked after that. So, um, but then we go and we play Lamar Jackson the year he won the Heisman. We play, they could, they come Houston and we blow them out. So our and that, they were like number four, number three at the time. So really, like if we just would have beat SMU and Navy, we would have probably been in the playoffs that year. If we would have just stayed undefeated, that was the year to do it because you play number four Oklahoma and then you play like number three or number four whatever at the time Louisville. I mean, it was it was destined for a non-power five team to go to the playoff that year and. You know, we we couldn't we couldn't win the uh, the the trap games. So, but uh, but yeah. So I think Houston, we were loaded with talent. That's why I that's why I went to Houston because I thought we could do something different there. Um, you know, in our own city where we grew up in, and uh, you know, we all ended up going our separate ways. And um, you know, honestly, it was the best decision of my life to do that. So, wait, let's go back. What was your visit like that you love so much about it? Uh, I, I just, I love, I love the tradition here. Um, you know, it, it, and we, we came, we came like in March, we visited like in March or April. So it thankfully it didn't snow then, but I mean, it was cold. Like it, it, it was a gloomy day. Like it wasn't like a pretty day like it is, you know, right now. And, um, I just love the tradition. I love the, I love the, the opportunities to play in, in big games. Um, and, I mean, I don't know. When you love Wisconsin, like you could, I mean, you could talk about so many things. I mean, being the, the coolest part was coming into campus uh, through John Nolan drive. You know what I'm talking about? You mm-hmm. go through there and you see, you see, you see the lake and then you see, um, you know, the Capitol and you see the city from a distance. I mean, being able to, that was my first experience is driving through there. And I'm like, wow, like this is, this is not Houston, Texas. This is not, I mean, this is just a beautiful, beautiful campus and a beautiful place to be at. And, um, you know, and, and the, you know, the values of Wisconsin to me matched up with the values that, that, uh, that we had at Katie football. And, um, I just thought we matched up really, really well, but you know, my desire to play with my two of my best friends just kind of outweighed that at the time. And, um, Makes sense. you know, I, 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 I don't regret it. But at the same time, though, when I first got up here, when I transferred, I was like, man, if I just would have came here from the start, like, you know, that it, it, those, those thoughts kind of have, you know, kind of tick in the back of your mind. But, um, but now looking back, you know, I don't regret it. You know, the, the things that I experienced at Houston um, is what made me into who I was when I got here. And uh, that part of that is what got me 
my scholarship and what, what was able to get me on the field. So I, I don't regret those one bit. Well, talk to us about that transition from Houston to Wisconsin. Now, that was still back in the day when the NCAA mandated that pe- that uh, most people transferring have to sit out a year. So you had to sit out that first year. What was that like for you? And who were some of the guys that you were sort of learning Coach Leonard's system under? I know Dakota Dixon was there when you first got there, and he's one of my favorite players probably of the last decade. He just seemed like he was a, a great leader. But what uh, yeah. you know, what was that first year for you like in adapting to Wisconsin? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a tough transition for anybody who has to transfer and doesn't really know anyone. Um, I mean, I remember showing up because I didn't even show up to summer workouts. I had to show up right when fall camp started. So I showed up like right at the beginning of August and uh, I didn't know anyone. I knew Kay Green. He played receiver at Lake Travis, played receiver here for a while. Um, I knew him just from I played against him, but I didn't know him as a person. And so he was the only guy I really like communicated with at the time before I got up here. But, um, you know, it's it's awkward. Like you you go into the meeting rooms and you're waiting for, you know, the meeting to start. And you got guys, you know, joking around, cracking jokes before the meeting. And, um, you know, I'm just kind of just sitting there with, you know, with my hands folded, just, you know, I don't know anyone and I'm not going to sit there and be like, Hey, randomly like, Hey, my name's Colin. I'm the new guy. You know, you don't, you don't do that. You just kind of <laughs> sit there and you keep your mouth shut and, you know, so, you know, it was awkward, but I learned to embrace the awkwardness. You know, every time I talk to people, and would interact with people for a while during that time, it would get awkward because there'd just be awkward silence. And like, I learned to just not even care about it. And uh, so, you know, that was a great growing opportunity for me um, personally, but yeah, the transition was tough not being able to play that year. But at the same time, I was, I was just coming off a knee surgery. um, And I, I was probably eight months, nine months out of, out of, uh, out of knee surgery. And I, I, even though I couldn't play, I wanted to do fall camp. Like I wanted to get, get in the system. I wanted coaches just to see, um, see who I am as a player. I wanted them to see my effort, all that, all that stuff. You know, it's just, it's a tough first impression if you just get there and you're only just doing rehab and you're not participating like that's not, I didn't, I didn't want to do that. So I was probably like at 80% um, healthy at the time with my knee, but I wanted to do fall camp anyway. And uh, I went ahead and did that. And after that, um, the staff and the training staff gave me the whole season since I couldn't play. They gave me the whole season to rehab and rebuild that, that knee surgery um, back to what it should be. And it took probably about six or seven weeks into the season um, before I actually like was able to, to uh, fully participate in practice. So um, it wasn't that bad because I knew I had to focus on getting healthy first before even seeing the field. So honestly, having to sit out was honestly a blessing. Uh, it was a blessing in disguise, but um, me and coach Leonard spent a lot of time together during that time. Um, after my workout and after practice, I would go up there mostly every day and um, I would just sit in his office and, you know, thing about coach Leonard is when he's locked into something, he's locked into something. So I'll go up there sometimes and I would just sit, you know, sit in his office and, he either talks to me and like says like, Hey, what do you want to watch today? Or like, Hey, this is what we're doing this week. You know, schematically, you know, for when we're playing Nebraska or whoever. Um, and sometimes I'll go up there and he won't say a word to me. He'll just be up there on his white, uh, on the, on the whiteboard with uh, coach April. And they're just 
you know, spitting ideas back and forth with, with each other. And I'm just sitting there and I have my notepad and I just try to catch on to what they're saying. You know, I'll take notes and I, I won't say a word either. And all of a sudden, like he'll leave for a meeting, still hasn't said a word to me. And I'll just pack, pack my bag up and I'll leave after like, you know, 30 minutes of just sitting in there listening to what he had to say. Um, but that, I mean, that continued throughout the whole year. And, you know, the biggest thing for me is I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn how, like, how to prepare for games because I felt like that was one thing that I was really missing, you know, during, during my college, um, my college experience at the time. I wanted to learn how to watch film. And I wanted to show him that I cared. I wanted to show him that I wanted to be there. Um, you know, I, I'm the new guy still, so he doesn't really know much about me and my mentality of, of uh, you know, wanting to play football. And I just wanted to show him that I love this game. So I went up there most days during the week and um, slowly we started to develop a relationship and um, coach Leonard would, would show me, you know, a lot of things, just a lot of things on, on film. And um, he would show me the playbook and I would learn more details. And so that year, of sitting out was honestly extremely productive for me physically and mentally. Um, and then, you know, relying on guys as well. I mean, just in building relationships, you know, it was tough because you're not, you're not on the travel squad at the time. So you're not like, I wasn't really, I wasn't around Scotty that much. Um, I wasn't around Dakota Dixon that much. Um, I was more around John Torchio when he was a true freshman. Um, who else was uh, Alex Smith? He was he was a true freshman. Uh, Rashad Wild Goose was on scout team for a couple weeks during that time, but those were the guys. I mean, th that freshman class was who I really got close with um, during that time because that's who I was around most most of the time. So when you but when you came on your recruiting visit, you met the coaches, you felt comfortable with them. Do you call? I'm sorry to go back again, but do you like you're sitting there, you're in Houston, you're like, I'm leaving. What do you do from that point? <laughs> yeah i mean it was tough it, and that was before the transfer portal days so you had to go up to your head coach and ask for your permission to to uh release you know, your permission film. to leave yeah, yeah. It's, you, you asked for your release and uh I, this was during spring ball at the time when i was at houston and i was still rehabbing from my knee injury and all this stuff so i wasn't really participating in practice but i didn't want to be a distraction to the team so i was going to ask for my release after spring ball. And I remember there was a, you know, I was getting just absolutely reamed by our, our strength staff for, for wanting to watch practice instead of bear crawl. We called it the pit at the time where you just do punishment workouts for being injured. And I, I asked if I could just watch practice so I could utilize my leadership skills. And I was getting absolutely just reamed by our, our strength staff. And at that point I was like, I don't have to be here anymore. Like I've, I, I deserve better for myself than, than what I'm dealing with here, all this stuff. So I called my high school coach and I said, coach, like I, I'm officially done. Like I'm, I'm, I'm ready to move on from this place. Can you ask around if anybody's interested in me? Can you ask college coaches around? Because, uh, you know, you can't contact college coaches. It's, it's illegal. So I had my high school coach do it for me. And, uh, and I remember a couple weeks later, this is when I'm starting to prepare for uh, you know, spring practice. I get pulled aside from our head coach's secretary. And I said, hey, our uh, coach Applewhite needs to talk to you. And it was our head coach at the time. So I'm like, oh, shoot. Okay. So I go up there and he's hearing from, from, high, or, or from college coaches that I want to leave. College coaches are asking him if I'm available. And 
So it comes up and he asked me all this and I'm like, shoot, well, I guess I have to tell him now. Like there's no, you can't lie now. So I'm in his office. I start telling him everything of why I wanted to leave, what I didn't like about the place. I just, I just spilled it all out. I, I left, I left nothing uh, unturned there. And, um, you know, and he, he gave me my, my release right then. And cause we had a great relationship. I did things the right way. I gave, you know, Houston, my, my best effort. Um, we had no bad blood, but, um, you know, he could have, he could have been pissed that I was going behind his back trying to talk to other teams. And, uh, he could have just said, no, you're like, you're not going anywhere. He, he could have done that. And thankfully, you know, he was able to give me my release. But so at the time, like, I didn't know if any teams or, um, or any schools were interested in me. I'm just coming off knee surgery. I don't have that much film. Um, so I remember I, I go back to my apartment in Houston right then. I'm like, what did I just do? Because I have no idea who wants me, who's interested. And I ended up having Sam Houston, uh, Lamar University, so two FCS schools. And then Texas Tech ended up contacting me again, wanting me. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't – I wasn't interested in Texas Tech at the time. But Wisconsin was on my mind for since probably the bowl game that year. Um, I just thought I, I, fit, I, would, I would fit the culture really well there. Um, I just thought I would fit the system. And I just kept thinking about my visit back in high school and how much I loved it. So I just started contacting uh, coaches who recruited me in high school. And I, and I contacted Ted Gilmore at the time who was here and he recruited me, um, you know, back in high school. And um, basically uh, they were interested, but they didn't have an offer for me. So all of a sudden I say, well, what if, what if I, what if I walked on? And as soon as I said that and coach Gilmore hadn't called me, we were just trading texts at the time. And he's talking to you know, my high school staff. And as soon as I said, what if I walked on, I get a phone call within like 10 minutes. And, uh, but from that time we set up a visit for me to come up here. Um, this was, they, they were in the middle of spring ball and I came on the visit basically because I knew I wanted to come here. So I came on the visit to talk, talk business with coach Leonard. Cause I didn't know him at the time. Um, he wasn't there when I was getting recruited. So, uh, you know, I talked with coach Leonard talked, you know, it was more of a business, a business meeting, you know, just talking about scheme and how, I, how I would fit, you know, the Wisconsin defense. And then I try, I had to find a place to live. So I was basically like, I was already set that I was coming here because I needed to find a place to live now because I'm not just going to fly back and find a place I, I needed to, I needed to then. So I was set after that visit. I, I knew this is where I wanted to be. Um, and I knew that this was the, the right, the right place for me. So that's, so I decided to walk on and it was 100% worth it. So you walk, so wait, so, okay. I have two questions. One, how much easier would it be if you, if the transfer portal was available to you? Yeah, it, it would have been easier, but at the same time, like it, it takes, you know, it, it takes some balls to sit there and, and tell your, your, or your college head coach, why you don't want to be there and why you want to leave, you know, it was really uncomfortable. And that was a great growing moment for me. And, you know, I think, especially cause I've experienced it myself here is guys just don't show up anymore. They just leave. Like in the middle of the season, we're sitting there and, you know, getting ready to practice. Like we're so-and-so. And all of a sudden we found out, well, he just packed his stuff and, and he left, you know what I mean? Like that's right. That's, that's being a coward. Like you gotta, like you gotta, you can't burn bridges in, in the real world you have to sit there and you have to, you have to communicate. And if you don't like something or if you want to leave, you have to communicate with people. And 
that's the one thing about the portal that I don't like is guys can just pack up and leave and never say anything. And you know, that's, that's not fair to anybody. I never thought of that. That's bananas that that could just, I, listen, I, I, I agree with you. I think the portal's good in some ways and you know, your coach could have said, no, I'm not going to release you. And then what do you do? You know? So it, it's kudos to him for saying, yeah, listen, you um, I'll release you, you know, good luck. Whereas some coaches are not like that. And they'll be like, no, you're going to suffer through whatever we're going to do until it gets to a point where they have to let you go. Um, right. But to not show up and not say, listen, coach, I just don't want to be here anymore. It can be that easy. I, coach Chris is not going to be like, no, you have to be here. He's going to say, like, right. okay, it's not a right fit. So good luck. You know, coach Chris is a good dude. He's not going to be upset, but um, so yeah. that's that. But so, okay. So you, so you get on campus, you're walking on, and you get the number 18. What does that feel like? Because I was part of the uh, first 18 walk-on. Um, we yeah. showed up at camp together. You know, so like, what's that, what's that like for you? And like, you know, as a transfer, like, did that give you like a little bit more of a tie to, the, to, the, to Wisconsin? Be like, wow, this is so cool. Or did you not yeah. know at all? Well, no, I, I knew. I knew. I, I did my research on Coach Leonard before I even came on my visit here uh, when I was going to transfer. And uh, I was fired up when I saw that. I was, I still have photos in my camera roll because I just got a new phone at the time and I still have it. It's like the, it's like the first two photos of my camera roll. It's coach Leonard, you know, playing here at Wisconsin. Cause when I saw that I got 18, I'm like, Oh, this is, I don't know. I, he might've been my screensaver for, for a couple of days after that. Like I was, <laughs> I was fired up. But then at the same time, I was like, okay, don't, don't look too far into it. You know, they might've just gave, given me just a random number. Like, you know, don't, don't, don't look, don't look too much into it. You still got a lot of, it ended up working out, but it, you know, I, I tried to, I tried to turn my, my mentality into like, okay, I still, there's a lot of stuff that I have to earn. There's a lot of things I need to, I need to, uh, a lot of impressions I still need to make. You know, I'm, I'm no Jimmy Leonard right now. So. Um, you know, I, I kind of turned to the mentality of like, yeah, I'm just a random number, but in the back of my mind, in my first reaction, I was, I was ecstatic. Like I was, I was fired up to, to, to have that number and to, to wear it because I, I know that I would, I would honor that number the right way. So I was, I was excited. I was. Dude, I, I think it's so cool. So, so talk us through like the first, you know, your first, you're getting on the field, you've already learned you're starting to play. What's that progression like? And then what's it like when you're your senior year? You were phenomenal. Like how, how to t- tell us about that progression. And then also tell me a little bit about like you played with a chip on your shoulder, which I enjoyed watching. Where'd you get that from? And like, how did you use that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, you only gain confidence by being out on the field. I mean, and like you can get mental reps, you can learn the playbook by studying, you know, studying the plays. And, you know, you also have to be on the field. You have to get reps to understand the playbook and react. But the biggest thing is like, you will never gain confidence until you consistently see the field. And when I first got out there, I mean, I I wasn't, my confidence was average to below average, you know, of, of confidence of making plays. I, I just knew I had to play balls of the wall with my hair on fire and my effort is what will get me on the field. And, um, that's what I focused on back in 2019. When we went to the, you know, the Rose bowl year, it was 
I, like for me to, for me to see the field, my strengths are physicality and effort. And that's all I tried to do. And as I was seeing the field more, I started to realize like, I can do more than that. There's more that I can do. Like I can, I can uh, be, I can be great at so many different other aspects of the game. So, but I, it, I wouldn't have realized that unless I was out there getting reps. So the more reps I got, the more confident I was able to get. Um, and, you know, Coach Leonard, he's, he's a naturally confident guy. And the more that I was around him and the more that I was seeing the field and, and getting um, coached by him on the field, um, his confidence was honestly really contagious for me. And uh, I was able to kind of feed off that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it took time. It took time to, to understand, understand that confidence and understand the scheme, too, just little details. You know, Coach Leonard calls it like graduate-level football. You know, it, it took time. I didn't really understand um, schematically, like, where, where my help could be um, in certain coverages and how to utilize my help and how to utilize, like, my leverage on certain things. I didn't understand that until probably halfway to the end of the 2020 season. And that's a, that was a big part of why I wanted to come back, too, was because I just – I feel like I haven't hit the peak of, of what I wanted to be as a football player in college. And I feel like I was close to really getting to that next level. And because uh, my confidence was just starting then. To me, like after, after I got that, I, I got a pick in the Mayo Bowl, which, yeah, I should have freaking scored. But again, it's a learning experience, confidence stuff. Um, you know, after that, after that game, I realized I'm like, you know what? I can, I can do this every game. You know, in my mind, that's what I, I was thinking. I can do this every game. And so I'm like, why not come back for another year? I mean, the, it, it all just only makes sense to, to be here for one more year. And it ended, up, it ended up working out really well because I ended up being so much more of a vocal leader for this team. And, um, you know, not only as a football player, but just as a guy in the locker room, I feel like I grew so much. And um, so many guys had so, many, so much impact on me um, during this past year. And, um, you know, it just – but it, it takes time. It takes time. And you have to – it sounds cliche, but you have to trust the process. Whatever process that you're going through, you get you you have to just go through it. There's no there's no shortcuts. You can't cut corners. You just have to go through whatever process that it takes for you to get to the level you want to be at. And uh, you know, it just it, it took time for me, and um, that's why I'm so grateful for that sixth year because I was able to finally, you know, produce and prove that on the field. And gosh, I mean, it's such a good feeling of like all that that journey from starting from University of Houston to knee surgery, to transferring, to, you know, fighting my way, uh, you know, get on the field, earning a scholarship, you know, all that stuff. I mean, it just makes it all worth it from a season like last year. Dude, it is a serious thing. I like how you say, like, effort and physicality, because when I showed up, I was had no idea what I was doing. I'm like, I don't know the plays. They ran through them so quickly that, you know, there was no time to learn them. And all I said is I held on to like being physical. I'm like, this is football. And all I did was run as full speed and try to blow people up. Yeah, it worked out very poorly at first. Um, but when you start getting coached up, right, and sitting in the room, I sat with Coach White, who was the running backs coach, and just started feeling out like, all right, what do I do here? What happens if these guys move? You know, like what happens if there's a stunt? And eventually you pick up that confidence piece of the, the knowing what to do. And then you are lethal on the field. Which, right. which I think right. is exactly where what you're saying is you keep gaining confidence, but you already had the physical and the effort. And then you just know, like, when you know what to do, it is 
lethal out there. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I learned playing full speed, playing balls of the wild. I learned that at Houston. And I mean, I was physical, you know, in high school and all that, but like at Houston, Tom Herman emphasized, we will be the most physical team in college football. So your effort is what matters most. And I kind of carried that to, to Wisconsin for my play style. And um, that's where I was able to stand out because it was just a different, a different type of uh, just emphasis, you know, and, and football, you know, coach Leonard loves the, he, he loves the coach about being smooth, being in control, which you have to do that more than anything. But um, it was just a different piece that like, we don't really emphasize here at Wisconsin that kind of made me stand out a little more. And it's, that's what got me on the field. It's, it's what stepped me on the field. And then I was able to learn how to be smooth and, and be confident and be, uh, be fluent in, in, in my, in my movement and have body control that came later. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I would, I just, every time I stepped on the field, it was more like, I would much rather be told to slow down than to get going. And, you know, so sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, I had so many, so much friendly fire on my teammates <laughs> during uh, 2019. Remember coach Herring after a game calls me up. He's like, Colin, come up here. Let's uh, cause he does special teams and tackling comes up. He was like, Colin, let's go up to let's, let's watch, let's watch some film on you real quick. And, you know, from the season so far. And he had a whole cut up. It was probably about a 25 play cut up of me hitting my own teammates on the field. <laughs> and, and he goes, look, we got to fix this. He's like, Colin, look, I know you play with maximum effort. Like, and that's what's special about you, all this stuff, but you got to stop hitting your teammates. Like you have to stop. We got it. We got to focus on body control. And I was like, okay, like this, that's, that was kind of a, a rude awakening for me. And every day after practice, me and coach Aaron would work on just tackling footwork and being in control. And eventually like I was able to realize like not every hit has to be a blow up shot. And so that's where I feel like I truly developed in my game was just the tackling aspect. Um, and not to say I made every single tackle, but I was my, like, I was in so much more control and I was able to get bodies on the ground more than just like, Oh, let me just go throw my body in there and try to kill them. And then you whiff and then guys run for 10 more yards. So that doesn't you know, mean that, though that, was, that you didn't break out the truck stick every now and again still, because that was, well, because you were still like one of my favorite things about watching you play was when, when you got downhill, if you read a screen early or something like that, like the running back or wide receiver had no chance. Th those were like my favorite plays to watch you guys on defense. When you and Scotty could just fly to the ball when you were, often like you did, you know, anticipate a play well. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's always a time and a place to, to have a blow up shot, but you know, there's, that's what you got to realize. There's a time and a place for it, but it's not every single place. So that's, that's something that I, I had to learn. And um, yeah, it, it, it took a 25 play cut up for me to, uh, to realize like, wow, I might actually hurt one of my teammates eventually. So I need to, I need to relax a little bit. <laughs> what a great story. <laughs> do you ever have yeah. any of your teammates be like dude come on man that was my elbow or get anything like that not really i mean guys kind of just laugh they're like dude colin just smoked me i'm <laughs> yeah. like oh my bad man like i'm sorry man. i'm trying to get to the ball like yeah but then uh, no, nobody really got on me for it because you know guys that's kind of where i earned my respect was just that play style so guys liked it and you know coach leonard always laughed at it he thought it was pretty funny when i would when I would kind of accidentally hit somebody.
Is there anyone oh, who's still team, on the but... team now who plays with that same style? Who who's just kind of like like that, just like not like out of control, but is just laying dudes out. Oh. Nick Nick Herbig, he was he's he's got he's got a screw loose to him that uh you know he just he'll especially like if he gets pissed at somebody. I mean this dude like he gets in a different mode. He, doesn't even look at you. He's just over there, just breathing through his nose, just ready for the next play. I mean, the guys, the guys got to screw loose, but that's what makes him special. You know, that's what makes him such a great player. And that's, that's why I think he and I really connected um, just because like, Oh, I got somebody crazy like me. You know, I like, like I, I love crazy guys on the field. And I think I really got attached to, to Herbie um, very quickly because of that. And yeah, he, he's, he's on another level. His, <laughs> he's got a screw loose, no doubt. <laughs> well, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, because, you know, we had Herbie on the show. We had, uh, we had Leo and John, uh, the Chanel bros on the show, but both Leo and Nick said you were absolutely the heart and soul, like the vocal leader of that defense. Have you always been a guy who's been super vocal? Like, is, has that always been sort of like your, I guess, leadership style, your, your style on the field? I mean, not, not when I got to Wisconsin and not when I was, uh, University of Houston. I mean, in high school, I had, I had a huge leadership role and it was very similar, but at the same time, that style for me in high school was more like just shut up, put your head down and work like lead by example. And, um, but when I got here, you know, I, I kept my mouth shut. I knew that, you know, I wasn't supposed to be a leader right away because I was the new guy. And, um, 2019 kind of came around and, you know, you had Chris Orr, you had Zach Bond, um, you had, you know, JT, Jonathan Taylor, you had, you know, you had those guys who are just key leaders for us. And, um, you know, Chris Orr was that vocal guy for us, obviously. Um, and then 2020 came around and I just remember, uh, I remember we were in, in the, in off season workouts and we had this, uh, this day called metabolic, metabolic day or metabolic workouts. And, um, it's in the weight room where it's just fast pace. You have a minute and a half to hit, to hit, uh, the, the, uh, a set of 10 with you and your partner and change the weight. So like, it's like high intensity got to go. And, um, I mean, it's, it's tough. And a lot of guys, Ted coat go in there and be like, Oh man, we got metabolic today. Like, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through. Like, I hope I don't throw up, you know, there's just all this stuff. Like, and eventually I just got sick of it. And, I just came in there one day um, for metabolic and like every time, like, like we had to like start the next set, like it was like 10 seconds or whatever, like the, the coaching staff would. And finally I just started saying, I started screaming, you know, 10 seconds, you know, I'm, I'm just screaming at the top of my lungs. And like guys started laughing and guys started to kind of get some juice off of that just for me, just screaming and yelling. And like, I'm not really a screamer and yeller, but if this is what gets the guys going, then that's what I got to become. And, um, it kind of built off from there that like, I was just a guy that would just be vocal. I would scream, I would yell, I would say just some wild stuff during the workouts that would kind of get the guys either, either get some laughing or get some going or both or whatever. And, um, you know, that kind of became my style. And so from the 2020 season, I was still trying to get used to it. And then going into, you know, the next off season, you know, I was, you know, fully comfortable with, saying whatever I had to say to the team. And, you know, to me though, before that, like I backed up everything with my actions. I set up everything during my time of shutting up, being quiet, 
I was doing all the right things. I was making sure that I was, um, you know, guys knew that I would just put my body on the line for them every single day if I needed to. And you know, I didn't have to say anything for that. I just did it with my actions. So by that time, like my actions set up, um, you know, my words to be worth something. And, uh, you know, so then, you know, it, it, it made it easy for me to talk because guys would actually want to listen. Um, so I just kind of changed my leadership style at that point and it ended up being, um, you know, something that guys love guys fell in love with. And I'm just glad I could be, be a piece of that. Dude. I would have loved to have you in the weight room. That would have been great. <laughs> um, we had some funny guys like Brandon Williams, like dudes who just, you know, like they could mess with the coaches and never get in trouble um, and scream and do things, but always worked off and their actions were made their words worth it, which is, I love that. I might steal that from you, by the way, quote that on LinkedIn. Cause that's boring, yeah. man. I love it. Um, <laughs> so, so, so dude, I got to ask you, cause I, it's probably one of the coolest things I've seen in a while. Your vocal leader, you're, you're that guy. How does the grit factory like come to fruition? And, and then, just tell me about that because I'm a huge fan and I feel like if you're a Badger football fan or ex-player, like this is exactly what we are about all day. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if y'all read like articles and stuff from the past, but um, you know, I, I love grit. Like even this is before the season started, uh, me and uh, one of my, he's one of my best friends. He's now playing baseball. I transferred Daniel Wright, like quarterback here. Um, so tall, like so very tall. tall. Yeah. And he's <laughs> so still tall. growing, which is crazy. Um, so he and I, like, we, we, we always feed like ideas off each other. Just like, I have a list in my phone of just business ideas that we just mess around and say, but, um, we both love grit. Like we love just like grit moments of guys, like how they can like respond to when, when, you know, when things don't go their way or whatever, like we love watching, you know, witnessing that stuff. And, um, so I, I was laying in bed one night and I text them like, dude, let's make a Twitter account called the grit factory. And we'll just tweet about gritty stuff all the time. Like that would be sick. And, you know, and nobody, and nobody even want, like, I didn't care about the followers. Like I didn't care about like how popular it would be. I'm just like, dude, let's just tweet it out. And then we'll always have something to just look at, like just a bunch of gritty stuff. And so, so I made the, I made the account and I have like a Snapchat private story of all my, all the teammates, all the guys on it. And I just put stupid stuff on there that the guys like, you know, like before practice, I'll have like some crazy motivational video or whatever. And all the guys loved it. So I started putting like that Twitter account on that story with all the guys on it. And so I probably got like seven followers on it from the guys and, you know, I'm tweeting out like, I, you know, I'll see like a picture of, uh, uh, gosh, I think it was Jim Thorpe. He like, he, he got his shoes stolen. And so he found a, a pair of shoes in the garbage and he ended up winning like the gold medal and breaking like a world record in them, you know, when he was in a race or something like that, like I put stuff out like that. And, uh, so that was back in August and I kind of just, I would tweet from time to time on the account, but you know, I just kind of was joking around when Halloween comes around. And me and some of my other boys are trying to find a Halloween costume. So we're, we're at Ragstock trying to find something. This is on Friday. This is right before we have to be at the facility for practice and, and go to the hotel, all that stuff. And uh, this is Friday morning and we're, uh, we're at Ragstock and we find like these, uh, these jumpsuits 
and they look like factory, like mechanic jumpsuits. And, um, I'm like, Oh man, these are sick. Like, well, we, let's, let's rock these for Halloween this weekend. Like, let's, let's do that. And then they had these trucker hats right there. And I'm like, Oh dude, trucker hat will be perfect for this. Like, I'm like, Oh dude, let's be, let's be grit factory workers for Halloween. And again, like, it's just so stupid. We're just like, I'm just messing around. Like, this is this, the stuff that I'm like, Oh, the boys would love this. Like this will get the boys going. And, uh, so then I ride in Sharpie, you know, the grit factory and I'm like, it's red and white. And I'm thinking, I'm going to wear this to the, to the locker room today. Like the boys are going to love it. I walk in the locker room, like, and Sharpie, like they're going to pop this. So we'll go into the, in the locker room. The boys love it. Guys are like taking pictures with it and stuff. We're joking around. And all of a sudden, you know, us are talking and we get the idea of like, let's wear this on the sideline tomorrow. This is when, you know, this is right before Iowa. Like, dude, let's wear this on the sideline tomorrow if we get a turnover. And I'm like, ah, like, do you think like we'd be allowed to do that? Like, I don't know. And they're like, ah, let's just, let's just, let's just sneak it on and do it anyway. Like, <laughs> so there was like a group of like three of us that, uh, three or four of us that had the idea. And like, I wasn't going to tell anybody else because I didn't want them to have the idea of like, oh, we just have to get a turnover so we can wear this. Like, I didn't want anybody to, to think that. So, but I told our strength staff and I'm like, hey, could y'all sneak this on the sideline? Because if we get a turnover, we're going to put this on today. And like, they loved it. So the strength staff took the hat and put it on the sideline like while we were like warming up because I didn't want it to be a distraction for anybody. And yeah, funny thing is we get like four turnovers or whatever that game you know, on ESPN and, or on ABC and, you know, we're, we're balling out and the hat just keeps popping up, keeps popping up. And, uh, so after the game, uh, my boy, Daniel Wright, he has access to the Twitter account. He changes the grit factory to the, the account, the grit factory to the grit factory hat. And from then I'm like, oh, okay, sick. Like, like we could actually take advantage of this. So that's when I, I took a picture of like the trophy with the hat on it. And I tagged the account to it on Twitter. And we had like, we went from like seven followers, like 400 within like a couple hours. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like what the heck? So then I got the idea of like, Barstool would eat this up. So Graham, Graham knows Big Cat really well. So I told Graham, like Graham, text, text Big Cat, tell him I got a business idea for him with the, with the grit factory and selling hats. And a couple of days go by. And all of a sudden I'm sitting in, in, uh, my, my freaking uh, you know, educational leadership class at 6 30 PM at night on a Monday. And I get a text that says, Hey man, this is big cat. Uh, love what you're doing with the grit factory, all this stuff. And I'm going to set you up with our marketing team. We're going to get these hats going. And I'm sitting there next to Scotty, me and Scotty, uh, Scott Nelson had the same class. I'm sitting next to him. I'm like, dude, big cat just texted me like, what the heck? Like, this is nuts. This is nuts. So yeah, we ended up getting those hats, you know, lined up and, and selling and, uh, you know, Barstool, Barstool did a great job of marketing it and all that stuff. I just, I hated the fact that, um, we sold over 500 and all of a sudden the website says sold out and next thing you know, the website says out of stock. And then all of a sudden the hats taken off the website and I was trying to talk to the marketing team everyone trying to get those hats back and they just didn't really work with me too well on it. But again, I'm, I'm just thankful. I'm, I'm, I'm just glad it happened. I thought it was so cool. I just, I wish some, some fans got more of the hats. So at that point when they took it down, I'm like, I'm just going to make my own hats. 
And so I walked in the, uh, the bookstore on campus and I was like, Hey, can you, can you show me where, uh, who's in control of the products here? And they point me to an office. I walk in, knock on the door and hi, like my name's Colin Wilder. I, I don't know if you've heard of the grit factory. And they're like, yeah, like we've been trying to sell up here, but we don't know how. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, well, oh, well, like I, I, yeah, like I, I made the grit factory. So I don't know if you're interested in selling hats here, but I would love to love to make that happen. So they were, they agreed to it. I, I got those hats made and now they're, you know, selling the bookstore, which is really cool. And, so, you know, at the end of the day, like I didn't care about making money. I thought, you know, having a deal with Barstool was awesome. And I thought more than anything else, like I wanted the Grit Factory to stay with Wisconsin. I don't care about the money. I don't care about how big like the brand gets beyond Wisconsin. I just want, I just wanted to stay stamped, um, you know, in Madison. And so I'm, I'm thankful that it's being, that that stuff's being sold in the bookstore. And, um, you know, the, the accounts, you know, they, they got I, I, I got to get more active with, with the accounts again. But with no Wisconsin sports going on, it's tough. And I have, I've been dealing with a lot of other issues in the last several months um, with my own life recently with, you know, the NFL and trying to figure out whether I wanted to keep playing. So, um, but yeah, I mean, so I'm just thankful that the Grit Factory has just stayed here and it's stamped here. And um, I want to keep it that way. So. It's so cool. Uh, a guy absolutely love it. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it was something that, no, that, that Bernie and I loved. I mean, I I think I DM'd you like out of the blue and I'm like, hey, I made these trading these Grit Factory trading <laughs> cards. Uh, do you want to yes. check them out? <laughs> yes, yes, and like and like the the cool this really cool thing about it is one like the Grit Factory like like you already said it represents the school so well just the brand and I think it's what Wisconsin football and Wisconsin athletics stands for. Um, but then also like the brand could go anywhere. Like I could do with whatever I wanted with the brand. Like, the, the, you know, we could make, you know, we can make shirts, we can make trading cards. We can make, I don't know. You can make a football camp. You know, people give me ideas to make a grit, a grit factory football camp and for kids. And you know, you make grit factory shirts for them, you know, when we do a camp or whatever, like the brand can do whatever the brand wants to do. And that's, that's what I think is really cool is they're free. There's a lot of freedom with that. Um, you can really get creative with it. So, so I don't know, but the biggest thing is, is like, I just want, I just want the, the, the brand to stay within this culture. That's all I care about. It's a, it's a good potential, uh, you know, thing to do in your second or third career is to be uh, the brand ambassador forever, you know, CEO and brand ambassador of the grit factory. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I listen, I really yeah. do. I, I, you know, like watching, you see like Miami with the, the turnover chain, you're like, wow, that's kind of stupid. But then as a player, you're like, you know what though? This gets guys going. Like it doesn't matter right. about the people in the stands. It doesn't matter about the coaches. It matters about the guys who are stepping on the field to play football. And if the grit factory hat gets people fired up or you screaming 10 seconds gets people going, why stop? You got to keep going. You got to keep doing it. Right. Exactly. Like it, that's the thing. Like I, I didn't care about what it looked like on TV. I didn't care about what the fans thought or like, I didn't even care about making money. Like I wasn't trying to make, you know, when I made this hat, I wasn't trying to make a brand out of it. It just happened. And um, that, that's, that's why I think I believe in it so much because it's all natural. It's genuine. And uh, yeah, it, it started off by just getting the boys fired up. And like, if that's the root of it, then like, you know, 
I'll, I'll, I'll forever be be grateful for this brand because that's that's the root of it is getting the guys going. And yeah, it's, uh, it's awesome. It really is. Like I'm, I'm a huge fan. I think it's so cool. So my question is, day. without you on the field, I mean, we know Herbie is a bit <laughs> yeah. insane. Who else is going to get the guys going next year? Because you know, the team lost the entire starting defensive backfield. Uh, obviously, Henny is gone. Um, you know, you've got to replace both inside linebackers and Noah Burks. You know, who's going to be the guy outside of Herbie that's going to be getting them going on the field like you did last year? Right. Yeah. It's and it's it's tough for me to say like who's going to be like the vocal vocal leader because everybody's every team is different. They have mm-hmm. a different identity. Every leadership style is different. Um, you know, like you know, when Chris Orr was here. Like I'm not Chris Orr. Like we. You know, it's, it's, it's different. And, um, you know, to me from, from a distance from what I've been seeing is, um, you know, you, you have, you have Nick Herbig, you have Shimmeray DK. He's, he's highly respecting that locker room and he's, uh, you know, a lot of guys look up to him. Um, Alex Smith, mm. um, has been become a leader in, in this, uh, in the locker room as well. From mild hometown and, of, uh, of Culver city, California. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, apparently, you know, guys are really, really looking up to him. Um, and then John Torchio, John Torchio as well. He's, he's, he's the leader in, uh, in, you know, in that safety room and in, in, in that DB room. Yep. The jewelry thief. Uh, yeah. He's a, uh, the, the, the really cool thing about him is he, he's been a guy who's just, I'm going to put my head down and work. I'm not going to say too much. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll be here for, you know, Scott and Colin, man, I'm, I'm here to help y'all out. And he's, he was never like a, a, a vocal leader. And then all of a sudden he's turned into this guy who's been taking, um, you know, these freshmen under, uh, you know, under his wing, he's running DB meetings. He's running the DB workouts. Like, you know, to me, I'm, I'm really proud of him and, and just how he develops as a leader. And then Trevion Blaylock too. Um, you know, I think he's, he's very, uh, highly respected in that locker room and, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, those guys, because all those guys have different personalities, all those guys communicate to players differently. Um, like the way I communicate with the DBs is probably totally different than how John Torchio communicates with the DBs. But it's not about necessarily how it, how it happens. It's just how you can get it done, how you can get those guys to get going. And uh, it just no matter what style it may be. So, uh, but yeah, I think those, those guys are going to, are, are going to, um, you know, make sure that this team, you know, this coming year is going to be in good hands. And, you know, I have full confidence in all those guys. All right. So we are running out of time here, uh, but I always end with a couple rapid fire questions. So uh, let's get it started. What is the hit on the field that you are most proud of? Or that you look back on like, dang, that was like the best or that felt amazing. Uh, hit, hit against Minnesota this past year that honestly took me out of the game and ended my career. I'm, if I could end my career off of an injury, it would be off of that play. A, a, a slant route, you know, it's it's a safety's dream to hit somebody coming down you know, off of a slant, coming downhill. I wouldn't want to go out of this game any other way. So I'm most proud of that hit. The only thing is, honestly, I wish I used my head because I was going to get knocked out of the game anyway. So it, I might as well just use my head. It wasn't illegal either. It's a very frustrating rule. No, it, it wasn't. It was a terrible call. But it, you know, call. it probably saved my quality of life. Terrible. I'll, I'll always disagree with the call. But um, so if you know, to me, like, if you're telling me I'm going to get knocked out of the game anyway, and I use my shoulder, I might as well just use my head anyway and get knocked out of the game. Because 
that's 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 one thing I do regret is I wish I just used my head. But I'm most proud of that hit um, because you know if if you go too hard to where you know you can't play anymore from that hit, then you did it right. So, all right, favorite camp Randall in-game tradition. Oh, you know, jump around obviously is a classic, um, but to me, the night games when they play all the lights and all mm. the all the all the fans put their uh, put their cell phones uh, up, flashlights yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. To me, that's that's the that's my favorite tradition. Besides the jump around, jump around. You a know, class. a you long just... time ago, there were no lights on cell phones. Mm-hmm. Just saying. yeah, like when we were in <laughs> just college, <saying>. burn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you didn't take your cell phone out ever because you didn't need it really. It didn't do anything. Right. <laughs> yeah, my Nokia, my Nokia, Nokia brick did not have a cell phone on it, or it did not. Sorry, well, it was barely a cell phone, but it, it, it did not have phone. an actual flashlight on it. Um, Colin, okay. at one point, your cell phone actually just called people. That's all it did, and played Snake. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Well, that, that's yeah. the newer ones played Snake. The old, like the, my first one, didn't do anything but told me the time, and it said it was looking for service all the time. That's yep. really. It. Yep. Well, fans needed matches or something. I guess they're not. <laughs> What uh? What do you listen? Well, I think we could still bring lighters into the stadium at that point. So you know, I I, th- I think everyone would have just been up there with w- w- with their lighter. So uh, yeah. But, uh, what do you listen to before games to get to get hyped up? Uh, the thing or is, or are you I trying really, to get I'm zen? A, I'm not a big like. Let's play like hard music to get hyped up. Like that that kind of passed me when I realized like football is more about, you know, being fluent, being relaxed. And um, so it's like, how can I get relaxed for the game instead of just like, you know, my, my fist is balled up and ready to go. Um, I like to, so I'll, I'll start, I always start off with like R and B when I'm, when I'm on the bus. And then, uh, and then as I get into uh, the locker room, I'll play, uh, you know, I'll play worship music that gets me really relaxed. And then once I get on the field to stretch, I take out my I take out my headphones, and it really helps me just be in the moment. You know, when I'm when I'm on the field, I don't have any music. You know, when you don't have any music on the field when you're playing, so when you're warming up and you're in the stadium, you kind of get a feel of like the noises, you get a feel of like the environment. Um, that's that's what I like to do personally. That's that's just what works for me. But anything that helps me stay relaxed, and usually it's R and B. That uh, that kind of just soothes me. Um, just slower music slower tempoed music it that's what kind of just gets me just gets me more of uh just at a steady steady mind mind state yeah maybe i should stop maybe i should have swapped out rage against the machine for genuine when i or was like uh, metallica uh, yeah. no you know what gets you really hyped just being in on the field and just seeing all the fans and them screaming and going crazy used to get me bananas yeah that was like yeah. i mean they played um it's b-a-n-a-n-a-s this is oh, yeah, bananas. Yeah. Whatever yeah, song yeah. that is, I, yeah. that used to get me so pumped up. At first, I was like, this is the stupidest music in this place. Like, why are we listening to it? <laughs> yeah. And then it used to get me so amped up because we we're in the stadium with people. And this, Colin, when you could walk around the bottom bowl. So you could, they used to oh, not. Okay. So fans used to be able to walk around the field. There was a fence. So there'd be people like eye level with you, you know, 20 yards yeah. away. So it's nuts. Not during the game, you could walk on on that also, but it wasn't as, you know, the cops kind of pushed you away. But I used to love that because people talk crap to you, and I used to love that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just thought I, it was exciting. Yeah, no, exactly. 
two more quick questions. Fastest guy you either played played with or had to cover? This guy. Probably uh probably Marquez Stevenson. He's probably okay. the fastest guy I've, I've ever played. Um I, I did a lot of one-on-ones with him um at Houston. And that was before I knew any one-on-one technique. So that guy would just breeze right by me. But I I could never because at Houston, like we're in scrimmages, like we're we're hitting people. I could never get a clean hit on that guy. I mean, that guy, that guy is probably, he's probably the fastest player. I play. Actually, receiver, he is the fastest, fastest receiver. Jonathan Taylor is the fastest player I ever played, played with or played against. That yeah. guy, I, any, anytime I had an angle with him when I was deep in the post, he would close it so fast. And I would, I've never been close to catching that guy ever. I mean, it's just not even close. It's okay. He makes so all, he those, made, those he makes all pro safeties in the NFL look like that too. So you, you, you know you're <laughs> well, still yeah. in pretty good company. Exactly. I realized like oh, this kid's just special. He's just built different. You know, I, I realized that pretty fast. <laughs> did you know that like the first time? Because what did, you guys were were you guys first year together? 2017 was your first year in the program too, right? Uh, it was 2018. So it was oh, his 20, sophomore year. Okay. 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 Um, yeah, and then. Uh, and, and then final one, uh, favorite Camp Randall memory on the field? Uh, I would probably say senior night this past year versus Nebraska, um, being able to get two interceptions um, and then ending it, uh, like ending it the way that the, that, that, that the game ended, you know, coming down the wire, mm-hmm. uh, you know, having Braylon Allen scoring, you know, with two minutes left and then the defense making a big stop. You know, to me, like that was just the perfect way to end um, not only my time there, but just, um, you know, all those seniors, you know, this past year who, who deserved, you know, to, to go out the right way. You know, to me, that was, I mean, that was so special. So special. Yeah, that was a fun game. And man, Austin Allen was so hard to guard. Like that dude, that guy's like Gronk. That kid was like Gronk out there for Nebraska. Their time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing about Nebraska is like their, their, their scheme every single year is a headache for us. They, they know, they know how to, create problems for our defense and um you know that they, they were able to do that they were able just to find holes spit holes and um they know how we adjust to things and they were just screwing us or screwing with our adjustments i mean they were just i mean I, it's it, I, I have to get a whiteboard to explain what like what exactly they were doing but i'm telling you that was the best three and nine team i think i've ever you know i've ever seen you know they outscored they their were, opponents on, they outscored their opponents on the year uh, yet managed to finish three and nine. They were like zero and eight in in like one score games. All their games were like under. It was absolutely crazy. Yeah, I, I think all their losses came like between like six points or less or something yep. crazy like that. It's yep. like you know, but yeah, that team that team was ridiculous. That team was really really good. All right, and then finally, favorite place to eat in Madison. Whew. So me and the boys love to go to. Uh, Love to go to Mad Seafood Boiler. I don't know if y'all, y'all have ever been there. No. It's, uh, I think it's, what is it? It's coming off Regent Street. Okay. Regent Street. Um, it's, uh, I'm sorry, not Regent. Gosh, what is that? I, I can't think of the street right now. But it's right around the corner. It's on campus. Um, we love to get their boiled shrimp. And uh, like, it, it, yeah, it's, it's really random. But that's probably like the number one, the go-to. And then uh, we also, there's a place like 10 minutes away called Bonfire. Uh, the best cheese curds. It, it's better than old fashions. And I know y'all, y'all probably been to old fashioned. Mm-hmm. It, it's it, 
it blows it blows old fashioned cheesecurs well, out. So the water. I, I don't think old fashioned are the best in Madison. Yes. It's it's Dottie Dumplings Dowry are the best cheesecurts in Madison from Okay, Dottie's is good too. I'm telling you, y'all, y'all have to go to Bonfire. These things, it's so crunchy on the outside, it's like a soft crunch, but it also melts in your mouth. I mean, it's it's uh, nuts. I it, mean, it, it is the best cheese curd. I mean, okay. so if you look at me and Bernie, we're, we're two guys who've had a couple cheese curds in our lives. So <laughs> only a few. I, look, <laughs> I, look, I know, I know. I'm telling you, y'all go to Bonfire. Delicious food. They have great food. But y'all order the cheese curds, and y'all y'all get back to me and see because I'm I'm, I'm, right I'm going to stand on the this orange hill. theory out there. On the, it's on the belt line, right? Yes. Yep. So yeah, I will it's, it's definitely delicious. go. It is delicious, and like wow. I mean, the, the food the food can get pricey, but it's like it's it's nothing too crazy. But it's I mean, it's it's a great place, like it's a great date night place. But like all me, me and the boys just go. We 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 pack about eight guys in there, and you know we have a great time. But yeah, it's 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 delicious. Who's the crew that you hang with? Who who who's your crew that you go to bonfire with? <laughs> so last year we so last year like the the go to crew would be like me. Scott Nelson, Danny Vandenboom. If Jack Cohn was here, Jack Cohn would be in there. Um, Mike Gregory plays uh, plays receiver. Chase Wolf, um, and John Torchio, uh, and then uh, gosh, I mean, you could you could throw Jack Sanborn in there. Jack Eschenbach. I mean, the 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 uh, the group kind of slowly starts to expand, but we all, we all live on the same, in the same apartment complex. And like, I mean, it's, we, we have, we have a blast. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you, do. I'm sure you guys run Is that place. A, oh, I'm sure you run it. Oh, it's awesome. It's, <laughs> yeah, we did back. We did. I'm actually, I'm crashing on Mike, Mike Gregory and Chase Wolf's couch right now for the summer. So I'm still here, but, um, but yeah, we, we, we have a time. They're, they're, they're great guys. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, for taking much time to uh, to be here on the podcast. We we really one I, like I'm a fan. You know, like we're now in the alumni brotherhood, which is kind of cool. But uh, absolutely, you know, watching the guys play, like, and you know, eventually you'll see, like, you just start loving these dudes like they're your best friends. So every time someone comes on, I'm like, oh, I know Colin; he's my best friend that we've never met before. But um, you know, that's what I think the brotherhood. What we started talking about is so. So important is, you know, you meet somebody and you're like, well, you did the same thing, right? You did something that was ridiculously right. hard together. And so you have that, that bond already. Now I just got to make sure right. that your, you know, your cheese curd game is on point. And then we are BFFs forever. You know, I, if, if I, if I can get this cheese curd thing, right, you know, it would be an honor to gain some respect from, from two guys who've had, who've had <laughs> such experience in cheese curds. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going to stand on this hill. It's they're, they're fantastic. <laughs> well, I hope when we're back in Madison uh, for a game, we will bump into each other. Absolutely. I like I'll, I'll for sure be at a couple games this year. Um, I plan to like come here for like a three week span and being able to see the guys and, and go to two or three games. So Great. hopefully, hopefully I see y'all while, while, while I'm here. Oh, we'll make it happen. You will absolutely make it happen. We will be, uh, well, Bern and I are going to come up for, I think for a couple games this fall. So, uh, oh, perfect. It, it'll be fun. So, um, yeah. yeah, well, thank you again, Colin. You guys can, you know, check out all wh wh where are your social medias? Where can people find you? Oh, it's uh, at it's at Wilder Colin on Twitter and then on Instagram. I think it's Colin underscore Wilder, I think. 
And so, what at at the Grit Factory on Twitter? It's at the Grit Factory underscore. At the Grit Factory underscore. Make sure to get get all the Grit Factory goods while you can. Stop in the stop in the UW bookstore. Get yourself some uh, get get yourself a Grit hat Grit Factory hat there. Um, you can find you know me and Bernie will be back next week and. Uh, Remember to check out our presenting sponsor, betonline.ag, and use the code BELIEVE. And until next time, on Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for listening to the Believe in Badger Football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by betonline.ag. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Badgers. That's B-L-E-A-V in Badgers. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube page for full videos of our podcasts. The show is produced by Matt Perkins and Matt Bernstein with audio editing and mixing by Matt Perkins. Our theme music is by Matt Blaustein. Thanks again for listening and on Wisconsin. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.